Welcome to the Lost Signals Reviews, the American Film Institute's Top 100, where we critique the supposed 100 greatest American movies of all time. Join us as we decide if they're worthy of the Mox Top 100. Guten Tag, Herr Morgan. Wie geht's? Dirty Irish. <laughs> you have your good friends Stephen and Scott here. Saved your ass. Wait, I'm Scots three. Irish actually. Part Scots Irish. So it's, not... it, it's just it's not important. Okay. What is important <laughs> is that you have your good friends here. I do have my good One friends. One of them here. is going to die now by your choice. The other will be saved only to die later. Pick and choose. What does it matter? Can I keep you and let them die at some point? Uh, okay. Hey, taking a third, taking a third hey. option. Yeah, I'm taking a third option. So, I've, uh, this I, was, I've choice. This was Chris's choice, but we are talking about the AFI's Sophie's choice, which is number. I don't know, fucking who. Okay. We didn't look it up. It's uh, a boomer uh, film. It's like eighty something. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Sophie's choice, which we were discussing today. I'm Jonathan Ian Manzer here with Christopher Morgan. Yeah, well, Stephen Rossi. I choose to not see this movie again. <laughs> and Scott, Taylor. you choose to not see this movie. So I'm going to give the fight log line and the plot. Hola, mi amigos. Uh, now that we're done with Sabino Gigante, <laughs> it's time for our telenovela. <laughs> La decisión de Sofia. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because this is certainly. Uh, a telenovela. <laughs> yeah. The plot. A young southern boy moves to Brooklyn to become a writer. From what I gather from his narration, he ain't that good. He's <laughs> kind of a hack. His upstairs uh, neighbors in a boarding house are wo- uh, a woman named Sophie, who had a terrible past, from escaped Poland, went, uh, did, uh, went to... Uh, got imprisoned in Auschwitz, lost her children. But none of that's actually important to the plot of the thing. <laughs> she suffered a lot, and she has a boyfriend who's abusive, and they have an on-again, off-again relationship. The young writer falls in love with Sophie, but he's kind of in the friend zone for the majority of it. It turns out the boyfriend is uh, schizophrenic. What a twist! Uh, and then so- Sophie and, uh, uh, and the boyfriend commit suicide. The end. Because nothing else in this film is part of the uh, the, the actual That is the narrative. literal plot of and the event. I am going to argue this based on precedent from previous films and nocturnal animals. Okay, first of all, I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> the uh, the uh, Holocaust part was completely exploitative and pretty much, honestly, was not... <sighs> solely necessary it was it was to gain sympathy for sophie's character and i didn't buy it we are not we are just basically trashing this movie not i moved to strike the holocaust section <laughs> from evidence Ooh, over what the narrative is, is not a good look no 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 because it's not part of the story i absolutely agree with you i agree with you i agree with you 100 percent. I, I mean i, I it's with like an hour and a half in the film they bring up the concentration camp thing I mean, seriously, I was waiting for it and waiting for it because I'm like, as I remember, this is the only part of the film that didn't play like a fucking made-for-TV movie. Lots, hence the telenovela-like reference there. I 
had never seen this film before. I knew what it was about. That this is a very famous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it a twist because it's a tragedy porn. It really is. It's just a bad thing happening after bad thing after having a bad thing to the point when you're numb to it. And it, I, I was like expecting a more of a. Uh, what's the Steven Spielberg film? Same as this. Same as this. Expecting that kind of film. Nope. Maybe a quarter of it is a bootleg version of that. Uh, but the most of it is just... Even though it was released 10 years before. But I get what you're saying. But, like, but it, it was just this these obnoxious people in a love affair. But it wasn't even... I, I don't know. Wait, can I, can I say something? I did see this film when I was in high school. Because when I say it's a boomer film, I'm not hopping on the OK Boomer bandwagon. My you can't because you are a boomer. No, I'm not a boomer. I'm not. My parents are boomers. But there were certain films in the 70s or 80s that my parents and all their friends was really flocking about. And like things like this and French Lieutenant's Woman, both of whom starred uh, Streep and Klein, um, were books first. And everybody was raving about them. And then they then you've got the uh, Woody Allen movies like Manhattan and Annie Hall and Hannah and Her Sisters. And there's a bunch of like films that like my parents and their friends – gathered around and like loved and i never so I, I remember seeing this and i remember not being affected by it at all and but hold on a second and but having but i uh, until until kevin until the twist that kevin klein's brother said he was a paranoid schizophrenic which is the laziest of the cheapest i was actually going to as somebody who had an ex that I lived with, who is a borderline personality disorder. I was going to guess borderline personality disorder, but, but no, because, of course uh, you were um, uh, bipolar. I could have seen that. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, well, I mean, because I'm bipolar, so you know, so I'm sitting here. I'm spent more time in the first third of this movie trying to analyze who this asshole was than I was really paying attention to the narrative. But I mean, I I just want to explain my dismissiveness of this film when I, we when we rouletted this for like we rolled the dice on this for this movie. I'm like, oh my god, I have to sit through this shit again because I, I was completely unaffected <laughs> in a room with my mom and I com- <laughs> after watching this film, I completely understand. Yeah, this so I was fucking dreading watching this shit again. It was it was worse than I remembered. All well, right, we spoke for a while, <laughs> you gentlemen. All right, well, two quick things. It's number 91 on the AFI officially, so it's pretty far back. And yeah, we rolled it out of six possible choices, so it came up on this. So, quick person for me. I knew of the film, but I didn't know what it was about. And I don't know, like, see what mentioned me by cultural osmosis. He knew it was, like, the, the nature of it. I thought Sophie's choice was her having to choose between, her like, having a child and, like, saving herself or her child, like, being pregnant. That's, in my mind, like, what the culture, like, what it was about. Obviously, it's not. Other than that, I wasn't quite familiar with it. So now having seen it all the way through, yes, E, I, while not as perhaps enthusiastic about the angle that you're about to take or are taking on it, I do see it and I do agree that like her tragic backstory is kind of tragedy porn, as you mentioned, like, or at least it comes off that way nowadays. And it's not part of the narrative. It just isn't. It's, it's her, her whole monologue explaining like why she is who she is and how she came to be. That's fine but it also is not the story as you said of the soap opera ish events of this like weird love triangle so i don't know man like if we're going to scores and stuff I, i'm not going to give it a three i don't think i'll give it a one either like oh, you yeah. might i get it like it's a fine story now it, it could be a little more streamlined I, I know it's a weird thing to say about the nature of this plot but i felt it, its running time was a bit too long it could have trimmed some parts 
<laughs> could have, okay, like twenty minutes could have been trimmed, or they could have condensed some stuff. I would I'd argue That's an all. hour and a half. Uh, or sorry, I uh, am not like as in heavily invested in like you know uh, again <laughs> the gung ho against it as you seem. You guys seem to be yeah. given your history and given your impressions of it. All I'm saying is like I'm giving it a probably a middling two for most of the reasons you pointed out, and like the major what everyone remembers this film for is not part of the plot. So well, let's see if we go, and then I'm gonna rent some. Okay, well that's my <laughs> can't wait. So yeah, I'm. I agree with Scott. I'm not as virulent, virulently opposed to this movie as you guys clearly are. But I also, so I, I, I said this to you earlier. I came out of this movie. I was like, ah, it's a pretty good movie. But the more I thought about it, like between when did we see this Tuesday, a couple of days ago, between like Tuesday and today, which is Friday, I more and more kept like thinking of reasons why i liked it less and less and like a lot of that didn't necessarily have to do with plot and i do agree that all of her backstory and like all the most interesting parts of this movie i guess which is like there this could have been a decent movie about her ordeal like in the camps or whatever like that would have been probably better than what what it is it feels almost like a a, like a, a a really like sappy version of um app pupil to an extent <laughs> like a weirdly I would like preferred that <laughs> like, uh, like a weirdly like it's 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 got the same kind of idea to it where like hmm. app pupil is a hmm. modern day version of a story that has its backstory in like in world war 2 but it's about the reflection of evil attracting evil and feeding off of each other. This is about a bunch of assholes, including Sophie, because attracting each other, she's attracted off of each other? to. Uh, well, but it's she's attracted to like tragedy. Even the librarians addict to her for no reason. As she's like dying of a. Yeah, but she's not attracted to the librarian. No, but she attracts the tragedy there. But it's not maybe. Like, yeah, I, I guess I suppose you could, in the loosest sense of the terms. I'm not saying they're like a one to one fucking thing, but like it's it it puts me in the mind of that like, mm. oh, we're gonna tell a story that's happening now, which is going to be informed by something that happened before, which we will slowly unfold for okay. you as the story goes on. You know, like that type of thing. Well, in the weird way, I think App Pupil, which is not a good movie, did it better. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps a better short story, I would say, but um. The anyway, as far as that goes, I think I'll probably give it a very soft two. Like I'm, all, I'm on the borderline Pretty of a one. I, I know you guys are in hard one territory, <laughs> if not z- if not zero, which I don't think it deserves zero. But, it does uh, not deserve zero. No, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Right. I, I think that the story, while not great, <laughs> is good enough for a very soft two. Yeah, me too. I f- you will. Right. so I've got to go over a couple of stuff again because I just want to gather my entire thoughts for this. I, if we're just looking at the narrative, I find the idea of a paranoid schizophrenic uh, uh, turn to be patently offensive. To I think it's and offensive. I, think it's cheap, I, find, I agree. Uh, and I find that his character was interesting enough that it didn't, didn't need, need to that take the angle. turn of like yeah. just having him as kind of a loose cannon type character was for a part intriguing enough to not need to do something cheap afterwards. Mm. And then you hear the whole backstory. Well, first of all. You find out that her child dies, but you don't know that it was her choice. One child you know dies. You find out the second child dies later regardless of her actions. And then you find out that that she had to make the choice. Which, But the fact that you realize that the titular choice 
had no lasting impact on the survival of either child diminishes completely uh, that emotion. It's it's so much tragedy thrown at you, it becomes... It, it, it's almost like a bad soap opera. But by your own... But that, yeah, I can't even by your own thing that. that that should make no difference as to how you score. Okay, so it's just a bad soap opera with really strange twists around it. <laughs> okay, sure. My father was a was a good man. No, he was a Nazi sympathizer, but he got killed by the Nazis. Why didn't you trust me with that knowledge? It's it's so it's so bad. Okay, there's three ways you're getting out with this movie. Sophie's choice being her being with an abusive boyfriend and this southern guy, which would have just been a TV, a telenovela, and have been shit. Sally Fields should have been playing. Right. Uh, you could have gone with Sophie's choice, meaning actually centered around the Holocaust and actually build up to that, th- you know, through a creative narrative. That would have actually been a good movie. You could have also had her, you know, omit. We're not uh, rewriting this. Well, hold on a second. Right hold on a second. I'm just telling you that this film, I'm just explaining to you that this film had no direction to it, in my opinion, because <clears throat> the third way you could approach it is omit Stingo. You could have omitted Nichols' character. Yeah. yeah. You could have omitted his and have this be a drama where you have <laughs> Nathan not being, actually being somebody who's sympathetic, who's in love with this woman. And you but then ha- it wouldn't feel like Great Gatsby. Yeah. But no, but the thing is, you could have made this. There's two decent dramas in here and one shit telenovela. There's nothing decent. No, but what I'm saying is this film was completely mishandled from beginning to end. I agree with you. I'm giving this thing a one because it was completely mishandled. There's three movies in here, one that's shit and two that could that have potential, and they couldn't figure out which way to go. And they spent three quarters of on the shit movie. Exactly. Well, well, it was adapted from a novel real quickly, but apparently like perhaps too closely for some a number of critics' likes. I just want to mention this. Yes, yes, clearly is what I'm getting at. But I'm sticking with an, a, basically a softer two, as Steve said. It's good enough, and that's it. I'm just bringing up another point quickly then. With more evidence mm-hmm. here. Even if we just look at the relationship between Nathan and Sophie here, they, it's a very, very long film. It would be a long film if they cut out the Holocaust sections to it, even. And they had scenes, they uh, over and over again, scenes of putting that Nathan is a bad, mm. can be a bad guy, can be a loving guy, but he has bad temper. They break up, they get back together. They do this like five or five times at the film, which you've agreed earlier in for the cast. And they could have a bit too saved many. a half an hour there because we weren't learning new information in the plot. They were just retreading the same points over and no, over again. I don't yeah. disagree and with resetting that. resetting the status quo throughout only to throw in stranger twists as this went along. Mm. I'm I mean, saying I'm done now. This is my rant. I hate this film. <laughs> I've almost off a slip of zero, but there is some semblance of a plot. I, I mean, this film made me made me wish we were watching The English Patient. I mean, because bad as that movie is, oh at least it was funny. Because everybody overacted. What? You didn't like them on I Coney Island going the around patient. the oh my uh, god, I hate. Circle thing? No, I mean The English Patient. I almost got thrown out of because I was laughing through it. But I mean, this film is not <laughs> even. <laughs> All yeah, right. story no, for story for another but, day. But but, but well, my when home, we review the English Patient, we'll talk about that. Yeah, it, it's a funny movie. But uh, by the same token, but what I'm saying is, this film took itself way too seriously. It was a really uncomfortable film because, I mean, thankfully I knew that like Sophie and Nathan were going to kill themselves at the end, so at least I had to look forward to that. So, but 
Okay. No, but seriously, giving I, I'm giving it a one. Okay. Yeah. Two. I'm sticking with the two, but a lot of your points that uh, I think why you're giving a one, I think will come out in later questions. So. Oh, they're going to come out in later questions. I, I my zeros later on. All right, Chris, talk about what the heck Sophie's Choice is about. Okay, Sophie's Choice really in, in uh, if you in terms remove, of themes it, that is no in, in honestly in terms of themes the gravitas given to her point uh, her time in uh, Germany working for the commandant of an ush of the uh, concentration camp was at best a quarter of this film so I'm as I agree with Ian that is not part of the narrative so I'm going with the narrative in that Sophie is choosing between so themes and. Yeah, Sophie is Sophie's choice. Nathan and Sophie's the guy choice is from name Ghostbusters too. Yeah, no, um, Dragon Slayer. I was going with Dragon Slayer, but that's okay. No, it's one of Sophie's choices. But right? but my whole point is Sophie's choice. In the end, her backstory informed her of um, which one of these two guys she was going to choose. That ultimately was her choice because her actual choice between her children, which was actually, which actually had gravitas. Was a sub was a subplot within a subplot within a subplot. So I am going the themes of um, the theme of it is um, three damaged pe- people in a love triangle that I didn't. I- I'm sorry. The southern kid was not damaged. He was fresh out of the box. Okay. He had no life experiences whatsoever. Okay. So, what's so the all theme? right. So, so you have one newbie and two damaged people. Basically, it's a telenovela. I mean, the actual choice is between. Why she's choosing to die with Nathan as opposed to going living on a farm with um, Spingo, whatever. And I don't... How much of a choice. <laughs> no, be honest with you. I didn't care. I like the girl that uh, that Spingo went on a date with. She was hilarious. But I didn't really like him. still curls off his tongue. Linda, I don't know. So who cares? She's not important. The important thing is Leslie she, she was like one of the two bright spots in a in a really banal movie. But 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 and honestly, if you are really looking for a deep meaning into it, and this is where I think a lot of people think about Sophie's choice, like oh, she had to choose between her own kids. That was such a small part of this. It informed her character. But the build-up to it was not worth the journey. The journey to that build-up was so not worth it. So I am treating this, as you said, as the absolute strong narrative being the stupid love triangle. I'm giving it a zero. Because so you don't think I- there's a theme? No, I think there's no, a theme. What, I, but like what I'm saying is, is the theme. The theme is that Sophie's choosing between... It, it's, That's a plot point. That's not a- no, but the theme is choosing between two lovers. Okay. And I don't really care enough about any of these people. And the thing, the the movie was a misdirection. They thought the whole Sophie Schweitz thing was going to add some gravitas to it. It didn't. It was exploitative. I agree with Ian that it is definitely tragedy porn. I do not feel, I mean, if you concentrated on her backstory and made this a character piece about Sophie, this is not a character piece about Sophie. This is a character piece about Spingo. Stingo. I think it's Stingo. Stingo. It's Stingo. When, not Stinko. Anyway. Not Stinko. Right, right, no, no, my whole point is it's a character piece about him. She is... That's not a theme. No, but my whole point is the themes are weak because okay. the, the film is... Stop asking him to explain himself, Steve. <laughs> I'm blaming you for this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Go, continue continue on theme. All right, well, No, I... I'm giving themes a zero because okay. I don't see okay. any theme. All right, so... <laughs> 
Um, go ahead, Steve. So I think that the theme of this is, or, or a lot of it has to do with making te- terrible choices. And like the, the idea, the idea that she is making terrible choices because of the things that happened to her, right? Like, like your, your history informs your, informs your personality. Uh, yeah. And like a lot of it is like the idea of she's a broken person. So she was making poor decisions before that. Before she, I mean, yeah, she got on that train with the ham under her skirt or whatever. Oh, no, that was a <laughs> that was fake. Case, I know. That was, yeah. I and that, that lie was a bad choice as well. Sure. <laughs> anyway, the point is that, you know, like, as as she comes out, like, in, 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 in terms of the narrative, she's a broken person who sticks with a person who is bad for her because she either doesn't think that she deserves any better or thinks that he's the only person that can ever possibly love her because well, of the choices that she made. Right? Like that, that's or the her end. other options, Stingo. <laughs> other options, well, Stingo, if you You can will. live on a farm in Virginia. All right. Well, either way, that is actually a theme, and I will turn it over to Scott. Wait, what's the theme? No, t- tell me a theme. The theme is that she thinks that she's too broken to deserve love. And that actually Therefore, her plays, relationship. That plays into a lot of people that came out of. If we're talking, if we're going to go further into it, it plays into the idea that a lot of people that came out of the Holocaust had similar stories. Whether or not you think it was done well is doesn't make any difference as to whether or not that's a theme. Mm-hmm. Name us a German virtue, Amadeus. Come on. All right. I don't know what the fuck you're talking. Chris about. Chris has clearly gone off the rails. Scott, I haven't said ahead. a fucking word yet. So, but I honestly don't know where to come down on it because, yes, again. I don't as vehemently see you guys' point, but I do see it. So I was going to go with, like, life is messy, which I know is, like, a fucking cop-out answer because that's going to be the case always, especially given the nature and the the time frame of the setting of the story and then the time frame of the backstory of a character within the story. The 80s? What? Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) The 80s. 1947. Yeah, I I understand. Oh, Out of Africa is another boomer movie. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go on. Thanks. Um, about the African queen. I, that's not. Completely lost my train of thought. Prove it. Because you're just shouting random shit at this point. <laughs> However, I was going to go with, of course, like, we said this in the movies. It's almost like the apartment thing. Like, other movies we've done where, like, it's just a messy love triangle. You gotta figure out life. Been your, you know, your, as you said, Sivo, your history informs the bad decisions you might make, even if you don't think they're necessarily quote unquote bad. But you're, again, like, the person you've become because of your, Tragic or tragedy porn history, if you will, mm-hmm. still thus informs you of making bad decisions, or at least in putting yourself in situations that aren't the best for you, and without realizing it. I, I so like, like this blame the victim type thing. Well, like I, uh, once I, you're I, stuck down a bad <laughs> path, you're gonna head down. That I'm not path. saying I'm blaming anybody. <laughs> putting words in my it's mouth, not, my friends. No, it's not her fault. It's just that's the that's way that not, life is. That's, that's what the, I'm trying to say not as well. What the argument is <laughs> there's a. So anyway, her trying to commit suicide even, is a uh, by virtue of this. I'm sorry, Scott. Go on. <laughs> I still don't know where to come down because I think the movie did enough what it wanted to with. Now, whether or not, of course, you your reaction to it, obviously your mileage may vary hugely, clearly, even a small sample size as we have here. I don't just think it was as bad as you guys or like as devoid of meaning whatsoever that you guys seem to be arguing for. Now, that's probably flows through from what you said about plot. I think I might lean on the side of a very soft one again, just because I see the themes they're going for, and I think they did it well enough, specifically because of the performances, but not necessarily 
on paper, if that makes sense to you. I get the themes of the film. I think that they came through and the way they intended them to. Now, your reaction, of course, and what you make of it as presented to you is going to be subjective. So that's my... There's an old adage that film students, the first film they make coming out of film school is a movie about film school. <laughs> and it felt like a subpar writer telling, with no, no life experiences, telling about, uh, it actually reminded me quite a bit of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which mm. I really enjoyed as, an, uh, as a true crime thing, but it's, uh, because he uses himself as a framing device to tell the story, but more interesting people than himself. But it always kind of felt like it, uh, he was taking more of a back, a voyeuristic look at things, which I think mm. they were attempting a voyeuristic angle for in this sting, case. except that he gave up the voyeuristic angle and inserts himself quite, and inserts into it, this, and um, he is the least interesting person, perhaps in film. Uh, uh, well, certainly in this film, in this film, str- strong statement, but yes, agree <laughs> in this film. I think and it's actually, arguable, and actually, that's not a bad point. Like yeah. in terms of uh, how they were trying to go for the voyeuristic thing, like that's a lot of what happens. Or, or what I think they were trying to go for in terms of making him a writer is like, oh, he's mm. going to like look at this from a writer's perspective from the outside, mm. like looking at it as material, and then he becomes involved in it. And, like, that's the whole thing. But, yeah, I'm not saying they did it great. No. But I think that's an interesting take on on, uh, on what they were perhaps trying to go for in terms of... Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, but I think it's like that's maybe me looking into this deeper than the... I don't, I, I don't think so. I think, I think, I think that's a valid there. angle. I think for that sure. that's there. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you want this writer to be like trying to look at it from the outside but gets involved in I mean, it's even sort of lampshaded in a, in a sense within the film and like when Kevin Klein calls them out and like, oh, you're writing about like, oh, this is your play? It's just a story of you, right? He's constantly like, like hiding in the shadows in the first part of the, yeah. in the first part of this movie. Yeah. And, like, and then know, they was, totally, I don't, you could, you, if you are sympathetic to this film, you could view it as them going one direction. If you're not sympathetic to this film, you could see right. them as them uh, losing track of the themes they were going for. Uh, and getting muddled and, and, and stuff. I'm flailing. Uh, I'm not saying they didn't sense. lose track of it. I'm yeah. saying that they were, cl- I think they were, I think that that's a good point that they, that's something that you could definitely see that they were kind of going for. Whether or not they made it there is another story. Well, no, no, to your point, that this kind of gels what I was going to, considering that you, what you said about Peter McNichols' character, okay? Who? The Dragon Slayer dude. The guy, the guy from Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Stingo. That they did set up a lot of stuff. They set up a lot of stuff that I do not feel that they delivered with delivered in any kind of satisfactory way because they did, as you guys are saying, set him up, uh, set the narrative up from a writer's angle. And they just, I, I felt like there's a lot of, believe it or not, I do feel like there's a lot of potential in this film that they, that they, 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 I mean, they it's squandered. so far astray that anything probably would yeah, be better. But, but that's my whole point is I, 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 once we set the, once they put the pieces, set the pieces up, I don't really think the author really knew what he was. I don't, I never read the book. I'm not going to, but this film, they set up some things and I don't think they knew what direction they went into. So they tried to go in all the directions and they failed. It still limps over the line for a while. But me. no, but my whole point is Even that's I, why I couldn't I get you. Get I get theme. your point. No, uh, besides the snark, I wanted to explain why I didn't see a theme. In the I get you. Got it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do a soft one. And. Ian, are you going to give a theme? I, 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 maybe I, I, I think I'm letting my personal grudge against this movie cloud, cloud your criticism, my, <laughs> uh, objectivity. So for this one question, I'm going to give it a one. 
but I'll mm. probably deduct points from later questions. I got you. <laughs> Fair enough. That is a totally legit. All right, Stephen, since you've been talking this entire time, oh, yeah. please go. Uh, uh, give us some more about the antagonist. I'm sorry for going on at such length. So here's the thing. I, I don't know what the antagonist per se is in this movie. Certainly, I do not see an, a good antagonist in the movie, to reuse a joke from earlier. Um, and I, or I, I, I don't know if... Like, Nathan is supposed to be an antagonist. He mm. is, certainly, at some points, but not a great one. He pulls a gun over the phone. The most <laughs> threatening move in the world. Chekhov's phone gun. Chekhov's... Chekhov's... Chekhov's uh, Tobu. Chekhov's yeah, check gun by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's literally phoning it in. Uh, <laughs> oh! Yes! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, go on. That is Thank it. you. Win. Uh, I... I don't think this movie has a good antagonist. Mm. Go on. Uh, yes, well said. I agree. Like, while it's maybe set up like early on, like you think it's going to be, it's like they're antagonizing themselves, but not really. Like, what? It, you tell me, what is the force? Like, I'm just backing you up. Who or what is the antagonist film? I don't see one. It's sort of absent. Maybe it's the nature of the story and all, but it's just not there. Kevin Klein, maybe, as you said, almost sometimes approaches it, but not really. And then completely invalidated by the explanation of what, what he's doing, why he's doing. Uh, as usual, do damn, you stole my entire <laughs> rant here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing is, I actually like Kevin Klein, the complexity of Kevin Klein's character initially. Because you can see how he's charming mm-hmm. and how Sophie uh, could fall yeah. for him. You can see his violent tendencies. He's a threat at times. And he's very intimidating at times, too. But they have to explain how he's not normal. Yes, and that right? invalidates so it. Let me ask you guys this question. Would it have been better if he was just a straight-up like, alcoholic and that explains his violent mood swings? Oh, that, Would that have been that less great. offensive, yeah, right? Yeah. But the other thing is, and th- this is going to um, come down to a lot of my views on this film, I feel like this film lacked focus, which is why there is no clear antagonist. Mm. If you went another direction, and I mean, because I agree with you, I can understand how charming he could be and how somebody can fall in love with him. And if you made this a real drama about Joe Clayburgh and Nicole Wil- Wil- Williamson, I'm dancing as fast as I can about a woman who is um, on drugs. No, hold on a second. No, I'm making a point here. No one we, said anything. No, no. We, Ian's laughing at me or laughing with me. I can never tell. Because you make so, the most obscure reference. No, no, no. My, my, no but my, my whole point is. You just said I'm dancing as fast as I can. No, but that, no, but that's the name of the movie. But there, but you could have made that movie. That movie would work between, but the problem is this film lacks focus. There's a lot of ways you could have gone on this film. And I think he want, I don't think the film really knew what direction it wanted to. It wanted to have all these things and didn't successfully flesh anybody out. It wanted to be the precursor to M. Night Shyamalan with like, what a twist. Like, I mean, is- I referenced that earlier. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, all right. You're not paying attention to me. So, hold on. Oh, why, so why am I being... Chris. We usually don't pay attention so to you Steve, have... you're not paying attention to me? No, no, no I'm not paying attention to Scott. Okay, you're good. not paying attention to me criticizing Scott. God damn it. God damn it. I'm sorry, Ian. Go on, Steve-O. Zero. Speak. 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 I don't, I don't mean to shut you down. Same frame for me. Zero. They're trying to shut us down. I don't want to shut you down, Steve-O. Right, I care too is, much about you. This has gone off the rails... Yeah. That we can't even see the rails any longer. 
So, Scott, please, protagonist. Wait, hold on a second. What's everybody giving for antagonist? Zero. If we're you've done. been with us okay. for the first 35 minutes, go on. Everyone's not listening to everybody, so I'm just going to rent it to the ether as we're doing anyways. <laughs> protagonist, I suppose you're going to say it's Sophie, right? But you can also make an argument for all three of them as, like, the weird telenovela, <laughs> telenovela tri- triangle. But, like, all right. Maybe this is going to also come into play uh, later on in style, or maybe dialogue. Certainly, Meryl Streep's performance is the most absolute greatest part of this film. Best supporting character in this film. Yeah. Now I know you're gonna. I you've you already uh, you know warned me that if you will that you're gonna argue for that. So for me though, I almost they sort of switched off. It's like fucking thirty three percent roughly each to me. I totally see the argument her being the supporting character, but like we still follow her story. Like they're all entangled with each other the whole time. They quickly become friends. Sophie and Nathan, and then and Stingo, like, right? The, it's set up like there's a fucking montage. It's like, oh, now we're all friends. Now we're like the best of friends, and we party all the time, and we hang out. And we're, you got your cool hat. Enjoy the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looks good on you. So bring your, bring the, your green hat. The thing is, like, to me, like, I I am going to lump them all into like splitting up protagonist duty. But I totally see what you're going for in the secondary split in a second. But to me, I think it works. We said what we said about the plot itself, but as characters. I like them more than I don't like them, even though if they're not, like, the best people, obviously. And given the history, like, as we said, Steve-O, you know, your dark history, your, your tragic porn history, nevertheless still might inform who you are as a person and what you're going to do henceforward. So I'm lumping them all three into antagonist, or sorry, protagonist category and giving them all collectively a one, pretty much, and that's how I stand. Did you say your tragic porn history? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Your pornographic, your pornographic tragic history. Tragic porn history. With me, that works both ways. So. <laughs> All right. Do you I'm cry while you watch tragic the, porn? Uh, what, we, what we got now is the fact that the sole protagonist is Sir Friend Zone here. Because <laughs> it's, it starts with his, following his story, it ends with following his story. Mm-hmm. These are interloper. These are, this is him telling the tale of two people he I've only once lived in Brooklyn and did this shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, uh, they're, they're footnotes, in, or they're the most interesting thing that happened in his life. In those and two years or whatever it was? No. Ever. In his entire life. <laughs> right. Until he went on to become a curator in... Okay. <laughs> in <laughs> and <Ghostbusters> too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Got so weird in those intervening years. <laughs> Nonetheless, he is. I, I dislike him as a character. I, I have nothing against the actor. I think he did a great job in Ghostbusters too. <laughs> but in this one, I, I was infuriated by how what a, Out of a soft he. individual he was. What a little um, too meek. Uh, no, it's just like he's. It's it's just awful. I'm going to give him a zero. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just say. I'm sorry, Steve. Did you want to? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go with. <laughs> With the Dragon Slayer here? No, it is his voiceover. It is. Don't worry about it. He's narrating the entire thing. You've, he is the protagonist. He's narrating the whole thing. And by the way, it it was voiced by George Coe, who is Archer's valet. So, um, so there's a big point of trivia for you. Very, very important. Yeah. No, but without question, it is framed around his narrative. It is a retrospective piece. If we are judging this objectively as a piece of narrative, he was a protagonist. It served its role. So I am going to give him a one here. A soft one because I didn't really care about him, even though Peter McNichol did a really good job. He's a fine actor. 
he narratively did what he needed to do as a protagonist. So therefore, if we're being fair, I have to give him a one. All right. So I'm going to disagree. I believe that the story here is the story that he's telling, which he is the narrator of. But the story that he's telling, the three of them are all protagonists of. Absolutely. That's mostly how I came out. As Absolutely. He, he is telling a story that has three protagonists. Yes. The framing story is him telling a story of his past. But you don't ever actually see him as him telling it. You don't know what he's dealing with. Yeah, because you hear narration of him telling There's you how he was doing company. at that point in time. No, 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 no. Where, where it is, where like the the story that he is the protagonist of is fucking twenty five years in the future when he's telling the story, which isn't a story that you find out about. The story that I get what you're is actually this movie is the story of him, Sophie, and Nathan hanging out. It absolutely, it absolutely is. I mean, you have the right to your opinion. I have the mm-hmm. right to my opinion. Agreed. So I'm I'm just disagreeing with you, but right. I'm not saying that you're that that I'm we're cutting it up differently in different so. viewpoints. That's all right. That's fine. Um, that's why we're so anyway, interesting. To me, uh, I think it's the story of the three of them, and I think that honestly, I wouldn't give him a one. I will give Meryl Streep's character a one, Sophie. I probably wouldn't give Nathan a one either because of the reveal. Before that, I would give him a one, as you were saying. Mm. So, this is a tough one for me because I'm giving I'm giving three characters protagonist duties, and two of them I'm giving a zero, and one of them I'm giving a one. But That's I will I will say that Meryl Streep was at least twice as good as both of them. <laughs> so it's a point six, right? I'm gonna give it a one. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a one for Meryl Streep. She has, I think, one of the best, if not the best performance of her career, which is the only reason that this movie is on the AFI Top 100 list. Uh, we'll get to that I later. didn't like Meryl Streep all that much. Yeah. I mean, I like her, but this was a performance that was way better than the rest of the movie around it. Well, and yeah. Man, on that note, I'm on to his supporting. I agree with you. So I'm giving supporting a one because <laughs> of that part. Fair enough. Well, of course, that changes my score because of the way that Steve and I sort of like view it uh, in protagonist categories. So then you left with like the older lady who is like owns a boarding house and like I guess Nathan's brother, like the professor that they visit, stuff like that. Like those are all just like not window dressing, but they're just there to slightly give you to to move the pot along like an X little like five percent here and there. So the way I'm cutting up, yeah, of course, if I was in your boat, and if I thought that Sophie slash Meryl Streep was the uh, you know a supporting character, I'd give her like the hardest of ones ever. But since I'm not. The ones who are there, like the librarian guy, sure, I guess it's like a chuckle-worthy gag, but not really. Like, he's a dick. just like everyone else, pretty much. Like, I don't know. So, for the most part, they're just like there to fill out the world in like a one-dimensional Unless way. Unless he was trying to nig. Uh, yeah, no okay. Sure, sure. In, uh, right in that case, he would have said, Emil Dickens? Yeah. I've never heard of such a... Yeah, he's a fucking moron. Any moron could have figured that one out. He's worse than a moron. Okay. Wait, by the way, did you give protagonist a one or a zero? A one, collectively, yeah. because I lumped them as all three. Okay. Like again, again, like some are doing more heavy lifting than others, but since that, that that's the way I am doing it, in terms of secondary, I'm probably going to give it a zero just because they're all one-dimensional. They're just there as like, I don't know, like um, satelliting around, like uh, rotating around the core three characters to me. Yeah. Be- oh, go on. I was going to... I don't think uh, you've talked enough, Chris. I was going to... Eat shit. <laughs> Jesus, it got really, it got really <laughs> tense. <laughs> um, 
I was like, I, I was, I was thinking about this, and I was like, uh, who is the most interesting secondary character? Since I picked the three, uh, you cut it up. The th- <laughs> the three characters that have anything going on for them, and I guess the most interesting supporting character is the Nazi, <laughs> the Nazi uh, captain on. or whatever he was. Um, in flashbacks. In flashbacks, yeah. I mean, let's mm. like, even if he's not in the plot, he's That's still a fair. character yeah. in the movie. True. Uh, you know, even if he's not in the main narrative, you know. But what I would say is that I'm not sure that he's going to make it for me. So I'm going to give supporting a zero. Mm. Good choice. <laughs> okay, I um, I lumping uh Sophie and Nathan into supporting characters. I'm going to say that the standouts for supporting characters, even if they're window dressing or not, was the commandant's daughter. Again, uh, yeah, well, hold on a second. But again, the the tragedy, the the thing that would have made her performance better is if they had focused on Sophie's time with the commandant. But I still think she's an effective character. I think the commandant was an effective character. I found the person who wanted her to get the radio to be interesting, even though these people were like random resistance guys. No, no. But when my whole point is the quest giver, <laughs> the, the quest giver. No, these are all like tragic characters of the subplot. Giver. These were all these are all characters in a subplot that should have been the main plot. But I did like the pseudo nympho that he went on a date with, and you know I liked his brother. But by the same token, the strength does go to the fact that I put Sophie and Nathan in supporting yeah. character roles. I have to give this one. Well, Chris, don't stop talking yet, because you're on to dialogue. Ah, <sighs> you look very good in your cocksucker, seersucker. <laughs> Um, this one's a difficult one because I like the dialogue in the backstory that wasn't part of the main, mer- main narrative. This is part of the dialogue. Okay. So, please. so uh, I, I'm going to have to give this one a soft one. I'll give it a decent one for sure. Like, certainly some of the portrayals, like, uh, you know, Meryl Sheep's monologue there, regardless of how it, like, affects the plot or not, is standout, and she delivers that dialogue quite well. And I don't think it was shitty or anything. So, and the rest of it, like, a couple of chuckles elicited for me when it tried to be, you know, when I wanted it to be funny. For the most part, I thought it was believable enough. Uh, the voiceover was fine. Like, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with voiceovers. I think this one was delivered pretty well. So I think, you, I guess you disagree based on that face. But I'm just saying, overall, like, maybe 70% solid to good and 30% like a little iffy, little like could have been improved. But for the most part... It was better than it was not, so I'll give it an okay one. I just said uh, the opening narration felt like a first time like a writer. Yeah, uh, it, sh- it should be though. Right? I guess that, <laughs> but no, but not by Stevo's theory because this well, is because he's his uh, voiceover. Yeah. So if he's improved by twenty five years on that, God knows what he had before. Compl- I completely but, agree with uh, that. He should have been better than that. But. but I must say that I would have to be a true hater to give this a zero because there are very powerful speeches in here. Mm. Mel Sheep's performance on its own. Actually, Kevin Klein's performance as the volatile lover. Yeah, when he goes on. Yeah, uh, yeah. It works very well. And especially how unpredictable he is in those scenes when you don't know when he's, at what, times when he, what's is, gonna, he, like, is he happy, is he sad, mm-hmm. when is he going to be triggered. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to give this a one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that there are a couple of moments where it was like, eh, whatever. But for the most part... Yeah, that's that's fine. For saying. the most part... The, the dialogue is pretty good, even when it's, like, a little bit sappy. Meryl Streep does an amazing job delivering her lines. Uh, and, like, you know, you, there's scenes like the, the toast that he that uh, Kevin Klein's 
character gives on the Brooklyn Bridge. That's yeah. like a good scene, and like uh, True. you know, I, I <laughs> honestly I think when he's being when he's being nice, when he's when he's like being his charming, version. yeah, when he's being charming, he's his. I feel like they got even kind of lazy with the like angry Kevin Klein, which maybe makes sense because he's just not like really trying at that point, or like he's not in his. In his uh, it's too charming mind, yeah. you know, like, but when he's when he's really putting it on, when he's putting laying it on thick, I think it's pretty good, pretty well written, um, in terms of like what makes him charming. Like he comes off as charming in those scenes, partially hmm. because of his acting, but partially because of the words that they have him uh, saying. So I'm gonna give dialogue a, a fairly decent one. Hey Chris, what does your shirt say? My shirt says "Surf Nazis Must Die." I just want to clarify that. Uh, so. Did anyone not talk Which about is a much better life? movie than this. Go on. <laughs> it, it, this would have been better with Surf Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, did everyone do dialogue? I talk so. about it. Cool. Yeah, I think we all uh, give it so a one. Mr. Mussi, style. Style's interesting. <sighs> they really mucked around with how the flashbacks worked in this, which didn't work for me very much. Or at least two of them, two out of the four or five. Um, for me, gone. And it wasn't so much that I didn't like the way that they carried on with the flashbacks, it was like the transitions were not great. Yes. However, there were some really interesting shots. Like the, I mean, I, I know I just mentioned the scene on the Brooklyn Bridge, but the shot on the Brooklyn Bridge where you're looking up. There were a couple of shots really, up the bridge. It's really solid. I mean, except there were modern cars in the back of that. Oh, were there? I didn't uh, even actually, I, because I was looking, I was watching this on Amazon. It was free on Amazon. Mm. I like looking at the X-ray feature they have. Where they yeah. Get, and it was all about uh, like, I didn't even think about that. Uh, uh, like, like, here's a modern car in the back of this. And, uh, wow, I didn't, I didn't I notice didn't that at all. But, either, but uh, it's funny. That's interesting. But like you know, it's a, like just. I mean, not even when there were cars in the shop. But like when you're looking up into the um, Brooklyn, the wiring and the Brooklyn Bridge and stuff like that, that was pretty cool. And like I, you know, there there are shots that I'm gonna remember about this movie. There's also like I think mis like misfires yes. in terms of the cinematography, and I don't remember much of the soundtrack. It was sort of generic. It was there. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i likely going to give this a zero. I'm not sure that many people are going to try to talk me out of that, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm actually looking at an okay one, and here's why. the uh, It all actually ties back to Meryl Sheep's monologue when she's explaining like what actually happened to her in the camp. So, like, if you notice, the lighting is fucking amazing, that scene. Mm. Like, the, her face is framed perfectly. It's just, like, it's basically like an old-school monologue, like, almost like a Shakespearean thing. Just translated to film and like her eyes are reflecting like amazingly like she's so intense in that moment and the like the cinematography itself reflects that i have to give that a lot of credit now yes there were a couple missteps a couple things were like what that was odd like like they could have handled that better it could have been a better transition it was a little like abrupt little like like a rough cut like that didn't make any sense but i felt like that stuff was more few and far between than the good stuff about it like the the things that were well done and well constructed shots, especially some shots of the the their apartment, their house, mm. and like yeah, the bridge shots uh, were pretty fucking solid as well. So I think again, more often than not, I think the cinematography was consistent enough and and well done enough to earn a one from me at least. Uh, no, sir, I didn't like it. <laughs> I think my major problem with this is the choice of pacing, which is alluding to what you were saying, Steve. Mm-hmm. In that, in the sense the. The breakup of the modern narrative and the flashbacks seemed oddly paced. And that probably is what mostly detracted from my enjoyment of 
an otherwise mediocre story. Mm-hmm. And I'm so I'm going to perhaps give the what I the one the points I gave mm. to themes. I'm detracting it from style. Totally valid. All right, for style, I, Scott, I do share your point, and I agree with you on the pacing thing. But the two things that killed it for me is number one, the voiceover. I did give credit that he was a protagonist, but the voiceover was awful. It reminded me of Forrest Gump, another movie I hated. <laughs> no, seriously. Mm-hmm. Actually, that you say that, that's kind of funny. You know, no, but seriously, it did remind me <laughs> sure, of that. Sure. It was supposed to be this charming naivete, which ended up being disgrading. But the other thing that really killed it for me, and that the, what, what bothered me most about this is the fact that, in my view, that given the fact that Sophie was a supporting character at best, the last shot of the film was Sophie. And it was just like, then they superimposed her faded, you know, her faded image over these clouds. And it was just so awful. And they lingered on it. That was your Sally. They just fucking lingered on her face over the clouds. And I said, are you fucking kidding me with this bullshit? I may have stopped watching prior to that. Okay. No, (laughs) but but, but seriously, any, any credit I would have given this movie, even if I was on the fence, that last shot that they stayed on for at least a minute, if not more, was just over the top schmaltz. I'm giving style a pretty big zero mm. because I think that for any good that was in this film, the pacing, the schmaltz just really is the thing that I'm going to come away with this film. I'm going to like, that's a very good point. I'm going to stick with a zero, but I do want to give credit to one other thing. The, the makeup and like, effects that they did for Meryl Streep when she was like sickly and sick and in the camp oh, no, in New York and when she was in the camp were really well done it's funny she normally looks like that it's the makeup that makes her like <laughs> sure. Jesus Christ well the, the funny thing is seeing like a film like this now on HD you can like see the scenes yeah, so, it's even a little grainy like, yeah because, like, because uh, to be honest with you I could tell it was makeup but I also had to be like we're watching on an, I'm watching on an HD and it was not HD wasn't around at the time. That stuff I can forgive. I can see that the makeup was well done. You know, sure. Th- yeah. Then I'm going to give credit to. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to be petty and you know yeah. take away from I, that. I see your guys like points where like it, it didn't really live up to it, but I'm still sticking with the one overall. It hit more than it missed, even though there are a number of both. All right, now Scott, the the choice is up to you. Do you recommend this movie, Scott's choice? I choose not to run, and I choose not to see this movie again. I'll start out with this, since it's on me. It should not be in an AFI list. It's 91, okay, sort of like maybe somewhat of an afterthought. It can go away. It's an okay film. I get, like, why... I understand why they put it on. It's a little of both. A little of Meryl Streep's performance, a little of, like, the subject matter, okay? That's fine. But there are better films. Shinless, definitely stay on the AFI. This one, eh, I think maybe you can replace it with something different at this point. So, I really wouldn't recommend it. We only did it because we do our, you know, it's our, our monthly A5 film. So I just, I don't think it's worth it at this point. It's, it hasn't aged well, I guess I'll say. And clearly we, we had a lively discussion about it. And I don't even know what I'm giving it right now. But regardless, I'm giving the zero to recommendation. It's just not that worth it in terms of a film like this and in terms of uh, AFI worthy films. Frankenstein's Army deserves to be on the AFI Top 100 before this. Does. Take this film off. Put Frankenstein's Army on. 
<laughs> I forgot about Friendship Army, but I also remember now loving it. I you mentioned it's a throwback to mm-hmm. a very old episode that we had. Sure. Go back and watch it. Uh, I was no. less upset watching that. Uh, I think we gave that a 10, right? Yeah, we gave that, well. A 9-something. I mean, we, we might have given it a 10. I, granted, it's not a 10 movie, but. <laughs> but uh, yeah, way. No, like, it, that, that was a fun horror movie that was set in Nazi Germany. This is a not fun Great Gatsby ripoff set in like uh, said, Brooklyn. Tragedy point. So, you know, they're basically the same thing. Anyway, no. No recommend. I'm going to say this. If you want to see an amazing Holocaust movie. Well, all right. I don't know if it's amazing. It's been it's a, a long a time since. It's there. But there is a movie that Meryl Streep is actually in. It was a four-part miniseries um, in the 70s called The Holocaust. Uh, James Wood's in it. There are things. Fuck James Woods. Oh, oh, yeah, fuck James Woods. Fine. <laughs> I, I mean, fuck James Woods. But <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck James Woods. But the thing is, but the thing is, there were things in that movie I saw as a kid that had a lasting impact on me <laughs> with regard to with regard to the grav the gravity of you know what the Holocaust was. I mean, you know, to me that was very memorable. This, hold on a second. This I saw when I was in high school. And the only thing I remember, two things I remembered about this film was them killing themselves at, at the end and the cocksucker seersucker line. I mean, seriously, this film is at best forgettable. This does not even belong. I don't, it, I, I, I'm, I'm once again going to say this. This is a boomer film, which is probably why it's on the AFI. I don't like this film at all whatsoever. I, I think it's at best a mediocre melodrama that could have been on an ABC movie of the week at some point. And I, I do not understand why it's on the AFI. I do not understand any, I mean, aside from the performances, which we all agree are great, this film is not effective at all whatsoever. And we've been trashing, I mean, Ian, I've been like having a lot of yucks at its expense, but, but the thing is, I, I can't take this film seriously because I don't think the filmmakers really knew what they wanted to make. So they wanted three cakes and they failed at all of them. Oh, I'm going to reiterate. No, sir. I didn't like that. <laughs> uh, no, thank you, ma'am. Not now. Not now, madam. Yeah, uh, I I do not enjoy this film. I think it is insulting to Schindler's List, that uh, because that is a phenomenal came out long movie. before Schindler's List. Yeah, but like the, no, the, the fact, fact that, that both are on the, the same, AFI, uh, no, I get what he's saying. Um, yeah, so uh, like I I just I I didn't hate the film, even though I might have seen that way, but I didn't like it either, and I found it offensive at times. So no, I think it take it off, strip it. I agree. Um, it. So, I'll give the scores. Scott, benevolent, warm-hearted Scott, gave it a six. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Or Mosey, he gave it a five. And Chris and I gave it fours. Woohoo! Giving us? it a 4.75 overall. I think that's probably mm. roughly right. Like, So, we all agreed that the, there was no, the, the antagonist wasn't great here. We all liked the dialogue. We all said, no way, Jose, to watch him <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but everything else was... Is this going back to the telenovela thing? <laughs> Full circle, man. Obviously. Um, so uh, everywhere else was just... Uh, some of us liked it, some of us hated it. It's but, a very polarizing but I, but I think, but, I, but honestly, I think the fact that we all 
except for those three things we pointed out, had different takes on it more or less, showed the fact that this film really was unfocused and the things that we latched onto were, you know, I respect everybody's choice on things, but I mean, I think it does speak to the fact that this film really lacked focus. Hmm. Sure. It depends where you, where you cut it up as, as evidenced by the score. I think regardless of what we choose, the children still died. I'm Jonathan E. Manzer. You're with Mr. Morgan. Good night. Stephen Mosey. I'm pro-choice. <laughs> I'm pro-choice. And I choose not to choose. See you next time. Adios, amigos. Editing and engineering by Stephen Ramosi. Music by Christopher Morgan. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes for the shows, and on Facebook and Twitter for updates. <laughs>